Écoutez, Diane, j'en ai vu et j'en vois des jeunes passer ici. On arrêchote quelques-uns et puis on se résigne à perdre les autres. C'est pas parce qu'on aime quelqu'un qu'on peut le sauver. L'amour a rien à voir là-dedans, malheureusement. Les sceptiques seront confondus. Hey, où c'est qu'on vit à ce temps? Saint-Hubert, proche de la 116. Je vais te renigner solide, moi, tu vas voir. Je vais te faire l'école à la maison, tant que tu reprends une bille d'école normale. Ça fait 24 ans que t'es revenu, que le mec, c'est pas rien à grandeur. Va falloir que tu te ramasses, OK? C'est toujours comme ta gueule. Bonjour, Diane. Shut up. Si t'as ton gars en plein, tu peux plus te pointer. Ramasse tes clics, tes claques, puis sayonara, magadale. Calme-moi, 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 là. On va peut-être un team, nous deux. On prend soin de toi, on va protéger. Elle a l'air fine, la nouvelle voisine. C'est une maîtresse d'école, c'est à sabbatique. Je me présente, Diane Després, je suis la voisine d'en face. Penses-tu que tu pourrais nous rendre un petit service? Ça a l'air de rien de même, mais on est après à poigner le bic, pas à peu près. Fait qu'on va se croiser les doigts pour que ça dure. Parce que la vie avec Steve, c'est comme un 25 cents, hein? C'est jamais si tu vas tomber pile. Ou ben donc si tu vas tomber en pleine face. Steve, c'est un violent. C'est un petit gars, il a bien du charisme, mais quand tu pètes une fuse, toi, tu dois le dire, ben ça jouera. Je sais qu'à un moment donné, ça va chier dans le matin, bêtement. C'est juste une question de temps. Bonne chance, madame. Hey, you're listening to Sound On Sight. My name is Simon Howell. Uh, Ricky D is not joining me for this podcast. However, I am joined by Kate Rennebaum. Hello. And uh, returning after a prolonged period of not being here, uh, Justine Smith. Well, you have to be a bit vague. I was here for Gone Girl. Yeah. Like, I mean, it was, well, yeah, it was like less than two months ago. Anyway, thanks for fudging my intro. Justine Smith. Uh, hi. There we go. That's better. And this week, we are taking a look at Mommy, the new film from Xavier Dolan. And let me see if I can get a complete list of his credits on this one. Obviously, uh, writer-director, not starring in this one. However, he is co-producer. He's also the editor, as he always is with his films, I believe. What else is he doing on this one? Is is he uh, responsible for costume design, music supervision? Yes, he is. Uh, Anything else I should know about? Uh, I want to make sure he gets his full due slash responsibility. Uh, for 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 what follows uh so um possibly did you mention sound yes oh does he do the sound i don't know but he according to imdb he did do the english subtitles for tom and film so we could maybe assume he did the subtitles as well just like just throwing that out there as a possibility well the subtitles i noticed were extremely stylized so it would not surprise me they, they, they seem to have a personal touch anyway we'll we'll get to that in a minute Anyway, so uh, this film is set in a uh, near future, I believe it is 2015, uh, Canada or Quebec, uh, in which a new law has been drafted. Um, parents who are, for for whatever reason, no longer feel the need to uh, take care of their child for themselves, their, uh, their, their dependent, uh, can give them up to the state uh, without any sort of due process. Uh, that's that's the intertitle setup for this film, and uh, more specifically, it's the story of a mother and her son, uh, played by Anne Dorval and uh, Antoine Olivier Pilon. Uh, they are Diane or Di, 
and Steve Depre, respectively. And uh, their difficult, somewhat charged, fraught, strange relationship. I think that's about all we really need to do for now. Uh, let's start with you, Justine. Uh, the reason that I wanted you specifically on this podcast is because you're a way bigger fan of Xavier Dolan than I am. So I'm curious what it is you find special about, or interesting about his films and how this one fits in there. Okay. Well, I think leading up to this movie, um, I've seen all of his other works, uh, at least as director and whatever other miscellaneous tasks he may take up on his projects. Um, I find them more interesting than I think they are good. I think every single one of his movies, um, including Mommy, which I do think is his best one, is extremely problematic because there's a lot of sequences or there's like, in the case of like one particular film, there's maybe an hour that could be cut. The Haas Anyways, I assume you mean? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's the only one that's like three hours, right? Yeah. Although this one is two and a half. Oh, yeah, Loris anyways could have gone with an hour. I mean, I don't actually I I don't like Shades to be my mère. Okay, that's good to hear. Um <laughs> Tom and film is eh, it's like it has interesting moments. Um I think that it really was pulled down by the fact that it's been compared to Hitchcock because it's not very Hitchcock at all. I do have a fondness for Les Amours Imaginaires. I don't know. Um, I think that Mommy is really kind of his strongest film because it brings together his best um, skills. And most of them have to do with the fact that he offers some really interesting roles to women and creates these really dead on, horrifyingly realistic characters of Quebec women who I encounter and I'm slightly terrified by. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I think this one is just like it's. It's so stylized. This the reason why my second favorite film of his is Amour Imaginaire. I think he works better in this kind of like hyper stylized environment of like excess emotions, of like almost absurd premises, rather than his more quote, quote down to earth films, which kind of are a bit more tenuous. They don't feel quite as authentic, and they have a lot of missteps. Right. When we're talking about stylization, an important point about this movie that I've entirely skipped over is the aspect ratio. Uh, mm-hmm. We're talking, if I'm not mistaken, it is a one-to-one aspect ratio. It is one-to-one. It, technically, it's a square, but because of the way eyes work, it looks more like a rectangle. Yeah, what you're supposed to do to kind of fix it is you're supposed to, like, focus on one corner, and then you have to, like, shift your eyes to the next, to the diagonal to it, and usually it, you'll see the square more clearly after you do that. It's, right. like, really bizarre. And just do that every 30 seconds, and you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll have to try that again the next time I watch this movie. <laughs> anyway, uh, all right. So that's that's a good, thank you, Justine, for your for your summary defense. Uh, Kate, what was your experience with this movie like? Uh, well, I've actually never seen any other Xavier Dolan films, which is I'm sure shocking and terrible. But I don't. He was he was coming into his own right as I was leaving Quebec, and they they just don't get as much play down here in the United States. If no. I think if I if I'd still been living in Quebec, I probably would have seen some of his films. Um, and, and I will really probably go on the record and say the only reason I saw Mommy is because it was play, it played at Telluride. Um, and so I saw it there. Uh, I Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we'll get into it more. I think I'm sort of probably on board with Justine and the fact that I would say from this one film, I absolutely agree that he's an interesting filmmaker. I don't know how much that translates into me wanting to call him a good filmmaker or or me wanting to call him someone that... 
I would sort of seek out beyond kind of being interested in in these like oddities that he's sort of producing. I mean, it's just such a weird mix. Like, we'll we'll talk about it more, but I think the things that I would give this film credit for doing well, you almost want to say it's like he's doing them by accident. It's like he's doing them, he's able to achieve the things he's able to achieve in Mommy out of some sense of like intuition and the fact that he's kind of got this real like enthusiasm and gusto for, I don't know, very kind of flourished aesthetic touches in the film and and performances and writing. I mean, Justine is right. Like the the character of the mother here, particularly Diane, is is done so well. I mean, there are things in this film that are done really well, but overall, I don't know if I would say I liked it or I would ever want to watch it again. I don't know. I, this is why I struggle with this movie. I Even at the time at Telluride, there was much discussion about it because people were really back and forth on it. Like some people loved it, but most people were sort of like, yeah, there are things about it that are interesting, but I just don't know what to make of it as a whole. And and I, I still am kind of there a little bit on it, but we'll, we'll come back to it. I'm sure. Yeah. I, I really can't imagine uh, the, the notion of a, of seeing an Xavier Delon film in Colorado is very, is really interesting to me. I would have loved to have been there, as I really wish I could. I could be at Telluride every year, and hope to return, possibly in in twenty fifteen. Yay! Yay! But because his, as much as I'm not really a fan of Xavier Dona, I will readily acknowledge that his movies do feel very unique to him, and his stylistic uh, sort of quirks, and most mostly his tonal. Uh, what he does with tone and what he chooses to do with tone for very long periods of time are very specific to him. And I really can't imagine how that would have played because it's, it's, it's just his, his movies don't feel Canadian and they don't feel American. They feel very specific to, to him. So, uh, you know, all by all means props to him for, for consistently getting his vision out there. I feel a little bit strange though, that he's become, our main cinematic export as a country. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's strange. It's just, because it, he, he makes such, uh, such idiosyncratic and d- strangely difficult films that I'm not sure are really worth the effort of, of sort of, s- sort of trying to descramble. I mean, it's difficult to say, is he the main export though? I mean, uh, Neville Nev has made like a transition. Yeah, you're right, but but but, but he's a media attention. He is far and away the like. Most, well, and also uh, like like Denis Villeneuve and Jean-Marc Vallée, like they're basically making with. I mean, uh, Villeneuve is kind of alternating. It seems like, but yeah. Jean-Marc Vallée is basically just making Hollywood films now. Well, yeah, that's it. Like someone who's still associated with the idea of Canadian cinema, which again, people listening to this from Quebec might find that objectionable because yes. realistically, there's an argument you can make that it's much more Quebec cinema than it is Canadian cinema. But when you transfer that to the level of like the Cannes Film Festival, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think he's being talked about as a Quebec filmmaker. It just becomes lumped in with Canada because the majority of people outside of Canada don't pay attention to those fine distinctions. Like they consider them fine distinctions between Quebec and the rest of Canada. So I think. There is something to, I think definitely he is becoming. I think though it's like it's, at, the French at least acknowledge the difference because if you read, um, I think he was the quote unquote, like the headliner, like he was the cover of the Cahiers du Cinéma in May or June, and so they did an interview with him and they reviewed several of his films and they had articles on it and they do make the distinction. They don't refer to him as a Canadian filmmaker and they do not refer to his work as Canadian. They refer to it very singular, like as a singular Quebec experience but then again it's french from france and they have they understand that a bit better right and within canada it's very much acknowledged that for 
for Americans listening, uh, it's very much acknowledged that Quebec cinema and English Canadian film are totally different beasts, uh, with only very occasional weird intersections. Um, but I, I, but I, anyway, like, like as we've sort of been hinting as sort of a critical darling, he's definitely the main export because, you know, like, like I said, John Macvalle is doing, you know, stuff like wild and Dallas Buyers Club and Villeneuve. I, I like, there's nothing particularly Canadian about some like prisoners just other than maybe like where it was shot or like some of the personnel or whatever. But there is about enemy. Yes. Yeah, yeah you're right. Like Enemies. I said, Enemy yeah. is very Canadian. Yeah, with the exception of Jill and Hall. But anyway, like like I said, he's kind of alternating. As I was sort of circling around to a point, um, I, I get frustrated with Delano because I do think he has talent. I just he's one of those people like Billy Corgan who just needs uh, he needs someone to tell him no every once in a while. I don't know why I'm thinking of Billy Corgan right now, but he's he's like yeah he's sort of like Quebec cinema's Billy Corgan. Like he just needs he desperately needs the one thing that he will never have, which is restraint. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this, sorry, go ahead, Kate. Well, no, I was just going to say, I mean, that's on the one hand, it's weird because like his lack of restraint is often the thing that makes these films interesting. I mean, like for, for again, and this one film, I can't talk about all of his films, but the, um, the opening of this film, the first kind of 35 minutes of the film, uh, for people who haven't seen it, it's it's very with the one to one aspect ratio and the fact that Delon like really heavily privileges very kind of tight close ups on faces and on objects really, but mostly faces and like bodies together, feels super claustrophobic. And he does this thing more noticeable in the first half, I think. That's uh, I don't know a very kind of like aggressive soundscape is happening. So like dialogue is like overlapping and kind of coming at you a mile a minute and sounds and music. And there's a car crash early in the film, which it, it, unless I'm forgetting, I don't think you ever go back to, I don't think you ever get any kind of tie into that car crash again. But anyway, um, it, it feels there was the first 15 minutes of this movie. I wanted to walk out of it. I was like, this is making me insane. Like it really gets under <laughs> your skin. It's really aggressive and like unpleasant for the first 35 minutes. And then it sort of really dramatically changes at a certain point. You get an entirely different kind of tonal shift. Um, once Steve is there and then this other neighbor woman, Kyla comes into it. Uh, you get a very different feeling in the middle half of it. But anyway, the fact that like he goes from these kind of crazy extremes to crazy extremes does give the film, I think, I don't know, this level of kind of verb and like excitement and energy that is rare, I, I would say, in many other films. But yes, Simon, it ultimately falls apart. I mean, it ultimately, and, and we'll get into this no doubt more, but I think the uh, the political elements of this film infuriated me. Like as, as a Canadian, I mean, they just, there is so many weird things going on in this film. The fact that Delon wants to take this kind of like puppy level of like aesthetic excitement that he's sort of throwing at things and then turn it like put it onto a kind of explicitly political subject or like to have the kind of I don't know gall is maybe a bit extreme but something like gall to speak about these like larger level social problems in kind of the Quebec um, milieu is I think is where this film really makes you start to become quite angry at it and and the Americans I know had a very different response to this uh, and we can maybe talk about that more, but uh, I was quite surprised actually by how much, how many Americans just missed that opening, that opening title card where you get this thing saying 25 years in the future or whatever the heck it is, like 10 years in the future or something. Um, there's been a new kind of government regime that's come in and, and the implication seems to be that because it would be a new regime, they would be more 
sort of socialist or something than the current regime that we have. Um, but that ends up not making any sense. And the, and the whole kind of, I don't know, the political stuff in this film is incoherent and it ends up making me angry. So I, to agree with you, Simon, yes, I do think you need someone to say no, but you wouldn't want to lose that kind of like, yeah, puppy energy of just like this crazy over do everything over the top. So it would be like a hard balance to strike here. Right. No, I can agree with that because I that is that is what he does have going for him. But when it's when it's going on for two and a half hours and when you have this nonsensical framing device that I, I could not make heads or tails of. I, if the move, if this movie has a political agenda, I don't know what it is. I I just, I can't, I, I couldn't discern any sort of coherent statement or even set of set of questions to explore. Yeah. It, 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 I don't know this idea that like, Yes, there would be a governmental change in Canada. And the fact that it explicitly states that for anyone who is familiar with the Canadian, like, <laughs> uh, current uh, federal government, I mean, we you could not end up with a more right-wing government than we have now. I mean, it, it has to be more left-wing. And so the fact that then this is grafted onto this idea that, um, I don't know, people would just be able to kind of dump children into an institutional setting. I mean, the levels of, like, complexity involved in saying something like that involved in talking about the Quebec level of government versus the federal level of government and why he makes it a federal problem in the opening and not dealing. I mean, it just, it shows, it's mind boggling. Like it shows such a level of misunderstanding and lack of information about how politics work at any level, at any level. And then for him to kind of, yeah, again, like feel like it's his sort of, he's able to make this film making a quote unquote statement about it. It ends up trivializing the political statement to such an extreme degree that you then just are left being entirely confused as to why it's there. And the fact that, again, most Americans who are not as familiar with the Canadian political scene just remove that from their mind. Like they completely, everyone I asked at Telluride was like, it was set in the future. They were like, what? What was, I didn't catch that at all. I was <laughs> there like, were no I flying know. cars. <laughs> exactly. And then it's put up against his like very kind of um, idiosyncratic use of like 90s era Quebecois. Uh, pop music, which again works the first time that you see it in the film, and works less and less every time you go back to it. Well, in and the not film. just we should say not just Quebecois pop, but this is another sort of stylistic element we should talk about because I'm sure that the music supervision, music licensing, was the most expensive part of the film. You've also got like Sarah McLaughlin in there, yeah, 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 and uh, a couple other like really very recognizable things that aren't popping out to me right now. But like this was another element of frustration for me. It was like the first couple times that happens is like okay, this is sort of like it's the whole notion is that um, the absent father uh, made mixtapes when they were traveling in the early nineties. So I was like, okay, just like that's... Guardians of the Galaxy, right? Just it's Except been a big it's been a big year for mixtapes. Um, <laughs> that's why I'm making a year end mixtape at the end of the year. It's already pretty much made. It's gonna be a good time, but. Um, you know, and that's fine. Like we get like multiple sequences of like these uh, these characters sort of jamming out to this stuff, but then, um, and it becomes a motif that makes sense uh, until I I would say it goes way overboard with the Wonderwall sequence. Yes, that's um, yeah. Which was like, which I think to me is like the make or break sequence of the movie for you. Like if you get to that sequence and it wows you, then you're then you should see everything Dolan has ever done. On the other hand, if you get to that sequence and your eyes roll back into your skull until you've lost sight for the rest of your life, then you should never see another Delon again because that is sort of that is to me like the ultimate Delon moment. 
Can I just ask someone just to refresh my memory? Because for everyone who's listening, it's been a while since I've seen this film. So it sort of blurs together into a, I don't know, giant pile of like bright colors and Celine Dion music. But um, the the sequence with the Wonder Wall thing, is that the first time the aspect yes. ratio changes? Okay. Yeah. That's then when. The second moment. Yeah. Okay. That's when Steven juts his arms out towards you and then pushes the edges of the screen out until it's actually taking up the entirety of your theatrical viewing and not just having that one-to-one aspect ratio, which I just thought that whole sequence was so goofy and just... I, there were things, again, <sighs> if you were doing it, like if he was doing it with a little more intelligence, it, it would be, I think there would be a way to, that I would actually appreciate it. Like it could be interesting, this kind of formal experimentation, but as Olivier pointed out, like totally rightfully while watching it, if you are show, if you are in a, ma- a regular movie theater and they are projecting a one-to-one aspect ratio in the middle of it and they haven't pulled the curtains in to frame around it, anyone with any level of kind of cinephilic knowledge, which is realistically a lot of Dolan's audience, is going to be asking themselves, so that means they're going to be changing the aspect ratio at some point during the film. And so it completely takes a lot of the kind of like interest or excitement or radicality out of that. I mean, yes, for people who are not as involved then maybe it was a really truly shocking moment but for for me again, i don't think it was just because outside of my theater they had signs that said do not be alarmed the aspect <laughs> ratio <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't throw like fire at the screen and yell witch when the aspect yeah <laughs> justine I, I feel like i feel like we've been piling on complain, and, that's why i feel like we've been piling on and you've just been sitting there politely not being able to defend anything I don't think that you guys are totally wrong. And I think that Kate makes a very like strong point, especially about the kind of prologue and the kind of world that he establishes um, is heavily flawed. And I think the film may have been even better. I think a lot of the kind of like, it's a, it's a kind of a high concept independent film in terms of there's no special effects. It is in the future, but it's not like quote unquote, the future, like the Jetsons, (laughs) they could have done better. (laughs) Like it could have been more, uh, it would have had more like, power if it was less like spelled out in that way i think because it it just raises way too many questions my biggest problem with the film was kind of in that sense because you you understand that or you feel at least that he's reacting to something and he's reacting to a social problem or social problems what i think that dola is working off is kind of the energy of the student strike movement or at least in part and i think it doesn't quite come together i think you guys are not incorrect in saying that the political angle of the film is a bit wishy-washy i think he rides a lot on emotional understanding of events emotional understanding of people emotional understanding of narrative and i think that's why his films tend to be quite it often feels like he's going more on instinct than knowledge and that does bring that wonderful energy and that's part of why i love the film so much i think it has an incredible sense of like youthfulness of adventure like a sense of adventure in terms of filmmaking but on the other hand, it does undermine some of its wider points because it doesn't always make sense. <laughs> no, it it doesn't. And also, I, I mean, maybe this is a shallow complaint, but I just I personally just found Stephen to be so insufferable mm-hmm. as a human that it sort of overwhelmed any other narrative or character aspect. Like I, I had difficulty appreciating how good Anne Dorval was and she's in a lot of his films and she's always very good we also have Suzanne Clément as Kyla who I mean I like Suzanne Clément a lot and she was amazing in in uh in Laurence anyways but Kyla as a character yeah 
is uh, is a nothing. She's underwritten entirely. And and I think that's supposed to be sort of mysterious. Like I think Dewan wants it to work like you get the sense of she has equally interesting kind of family dynamic stuff going on across the street that we never actually see, but it doesn't in the end, it ends up feeling like a bit of a blank. She just ends up feeling like a kind of solution to the narrative questions here and problems. And then I don't know. It's, I, I, I don't know. To take us back though, I really do want to like agree with Justine that I, I don't want to just harp on the film because I think there are things that are interesting here. And I think the things that are the most interesting, um, is something that is pr- probably particular to Delon, at least right now, which is his ability to kind of really walk a very fine line. Sometimes it succeeds, sometimes it fails, but of kind of focusing in on a cliche so much and trying to reactivate it as something like interesting. Like if you can, can you take a cliche and make it live and breathe again? And he does that with basically everything. Like everything here is cliche. I mean, that's what's interesting about it is you get this idea and, and, Maybe cliche isn't fair because I suppose you don't see every movie isn't about like an incestuous, almost incestuous uh, son. It's definitely and an art house. It's yeah. an art house trope for sure. Exactly, like it happens a lot. And and the um, and I don't know. It's interesting. I mean, your your kind of point about the uh, the son being insufferable. I didn't I didn't find him insufferable, but again, it goes back and forth. Like it, it's clearly Delon sort of trying to take this idea of the unruly child, um, and doing something interesting and unusual with it. And I think it works for about 30% of the film. And and the kid, uh, whose name I forget, it's like Antoine something, uh, is, I actually thought he does, does a really impressive job with the performance. I think he is quite good in it. Um, but again, I just, it becomes so trite at certain moments in the film. I think part of it is he's, it's kind of this kind of back and forth where he's definitely toying with what you say is kind of like these stereotypes or these archetypes of art house cinema. And a lot of them are coming from like the French New Wave era. Like you can compare this to like Les Quatre Sans Coups very easily. You can compare the stylistic, uh, the adventures with style to something that Godard may have done, although I, he would never make a movie like this. Um, but at the same time, it like it is lacking to a certain extent that theoretical background. And I think that will be his downfall. Or it won't be. I like. I, I don't know. Like. I think that's the confusion with his work because I think even when he speaks about his own filmmaking styles, he stresses very much. He's like, no, I don't have any education in filmmaking. I don't have. I don't know how to make films. And he relies very much, like, counter to what things seem. He does rely a lot on the people he surrounds himself with. And I think that for the betterment of his career, like his matching with Andre Turpin, who is the cinematographer, is probably going to push him in the right direction because the way he speaks about um his relationship working with Turpin, Turpin will tell him mm, maybe that's not a good idea or have you thought about doing this instead or maybe the scene can be cut um Suzanne Clément actually also he credits her a lot for helping write and excise elements of the film so if he continues to surround himself with these people who perhaps have a better grasp of kind of the the bigger picture his films can continue to get better. Mm-hmm. I, it's, it's I think just, part of the, it's interesting. It's like so part of the problem there is like, I think you're right, Justine, is that people would approach, I would approach these films differently if it really was the sense of like sort of a kind of humbleness in approaching them. But it's funny because Dolan really is doing the opposite in a lot of ways. Like in his self-presentation as a kind of filmmaker, enfant terrible, he's definitely like, I am, I mean, yeah, I don't study cinema. I don't know anything about it, but I am great. Like I am the best. And that's why you should, I mean, it's very much part of this like flashy, like 
you know, I'm, I, I don't know. It's, it's very strange. Like he doesn't, he doesn't do himself any favors. I don't find in the way. And again, that's not just him. Like that's part of the way he's been kind of taken up by the art house world and by con sort of making him this golden child. The Quebec press in particular has been very interesting towards him. Like there's no better word for it because they do not idolize him, but they also do. Um, and I think this film in particular, because of its attention at the Cannes Film Festival, which is more so than his previous ones. Like, I was at the press conference when he came back, and there is a lot of combativeness between them, because they are, ironically, the Quebec press is very critical of his presentation of Quebec. Mm. It's funny, because, like, I get the sense that uh, there's, like, a love-hate thing going on, because Quebec loves that it has such a presence at Mm -hmm. Cannes, but they maybe aren't so wild about the fact that it's him. Mm-hmm. I don't know because they also it's like even at one point in the press conference like someone says oh you're the enfant terrible of Quebec cinema and he's like no you're he's like I never chose that it's like it's like you guys who chose that for me it's like I don't identify with that I don't identify myself with that right term I, and then I, another I, reporter was like why do you have to do your films with such thick Quebec accent a Quebec critic <laughs> I mean it, the, the, here's here's my thing I don't want to get too I think we've already gone way too much into the the sort of gossipy aspect of 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 this but what i do find interesting is that he feels to me i mean he's so young he's younger than than any of us and he's he's, younger than me by one month okay there you go which means he's younger than me and and kate by like a couple of years uh if if i'm if i'm not mistaken so and like most people don't even get to make their first film until they're older than he is and he's made like five and and what what I find so fascinating is that he still feels to me like a student filmmaker. Like Mm -hmm. he feels like someone who is just sort of developing their cinematic language, but for, but by just this, this weird mixture of luck and, uh, and I guess fortitude he's managed, he managed to start really young and keep turning them out at like a rate of one a year. And, like he, it, it's it's just, it's strange to me that that he's the guy. It's just, it's just it's never going to stop being weird to me. As much as I think his 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 vision has some value, there's just some very basic deficiencies that I just can't quite get through. And it's it's just it's so strange that he's become, uh, as you've said, sort of Quebec cinema laureate. It's weird. I just feel like he's going to it's it hits a wall for me at least as as a critic and thinker about cinema. It hits a wall a little bit when the only thing you can say about a film is he seems to have really interesting intuition and like an ability to kind of throw things up on screen in a way that produces something. But it, it isn't like, I can't approach a film like mommy thinking there is real intention and thought behind the way that it actually works out. And so I can engage with it as like a thoughtful thing. I mean, that just isn't there in these kinds of films. It's like everything that that you like about it it you end up saying like sort of again it's kind of an accident and i find that very I think limiting the only thing it isn't an accident though is his understanding of character and at least one character and that's andal mm-hmm. val's character d dn is on point there is nothing mm-hmm. about her character that strays from the identity that he forms for her and she is fucking interesting yeah you're right crazy unpredictable but again unpredictable without working with on the outside of that character but then, Which is not yeah. as easy to do with a character that is so on the edge of madness. 
And she's amazing. I mean, again, I will. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. The fam- the mother is amazing. And and that brings up the other point in this thing that I would say about this film before I respond to the um, character question is the fact that when you're watching it for anyone who's lived in Quebec, I had this moment where like for I would rapidly swing back and forth while watching the film between being like, man, I miss Quebec. And then being like, man, I'm happy. I don't live in Quebec anymore. <laughs> like you just like you used to swing back because it, it does again. And I'm sure this is what the Quebec critics aren't happy about with it. It, it does such a great job of capturing this like amazing sense of, of what life is like there. It's very like, there's elements of joy and like wonderful, like it just, it's great. And this like the music and the color and it's, it's so much. And then you kind of are reminded of like, the level of kind of like desperation and the the prevalence of like kind of poverty and like mm-hmm. but the thing about the the character stuff is like he does such an amazing job with D and you're you're so on board with that and it's so well done and then it completely falls apart when you get the that sequence at the end of the film that's like this dream sequence about her imagining what life would be like with the sun and things would be so wonderful and yes you can say yes it's it's Delon making this comment about how naive she is but again, it doesn't feel very it doesn't feel very intentional. It feels like he wants it both ways. He wants to be able to do this kind of goofy, over-the-top uh filmmaking while still getting credit for it being a smart, intelligent film. And it and it I don't know. It just to me it didn't work. That sequence also has the unfortunate distinction of feeling uh completely, maybe not intentionally, but completely ripped off from Spike Lee's twenty fifth hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, like to the like almost to the exact beat all the the only other thing i want to mention about the ending is that the very last shot of the film which is scored to a a a thuddingly obvious lana del rey song which i mean a that doesn't even fit with the other Mm -hmm. uh with the like in the schema of the music cues we've been getting so it annoyed me on that level the romanticism of that whole sequence was uh just really just not that was not a good note to go out on <laughs> anyway uh I don't, we've already gone on way longer about this than i would like to because i don't even know uh how many of our listeners are going to get a chance to see it i know that it's it's gotten better distribution than many of his films in the states so i feel like people are going to get a chance to see it the fact that this is going to be the movie that uh, uh non-canadians and americans engage with to represent quebec is fascinating to me and a little <laughs> bit troubling but fascinating yeah. It's like if a couple years from now when more people have had a chance to see it and seen a few other films, I think um, Simon and I were talking like right before we recorded about there's another Quebec film that's played at almost every festival that Mommy has played at. It played at TIFF, it played at Cannes, it played uh, in Quebec at the same time. Tu dors Nicole by Stéphane Lafleur. And Stéphane Lafleur is really emerging as kind of the underground voice of Quebec film because his previous movies, um, I think he did uh, Continental Film Sans Fusil. He did he did that one, and he did I think one or two others. But he has a similar style in terms of the fact that he is kind of integrating these kind of fantastic or surreal images. But it's also kind of like the antithesis of Dolan because it's very distant and um very unemotional and it's but you know, Nicole is definitely like a Quebec film we're seeing and then on the other hand I always associate Mommy with the new Godard just because they both won the mm-hmm. prize mm-hmm. Um, and hey, just, that, Justine, my, my guess is people would want to know how to spell the name of the person you were talking about for people who uh, oh Stéphane Lafleur oh it's there you go okay, S- yeah S-T-E-P-H-A-N-E and Lafleur like Guy Lafleur the great hockey player mm-hmm. good enough <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I, I've been wanting to see Jidal Nicole uh, since I first heard about it, but I haven't had a chance yet, and I didn't get to see it at TIFF either. It had theatrical distribution in Quebec only. I saw it in theaters here um, before TIFF. Okay. And then it played at TIFF. Um, and it's played at a few. It played, I think, at uh, the New York Film Festival or AFI. I'm mm-hmm. not sure. Um, but it's really good. It's like it's very strong. And again, very similar because it's kind of about a youth struggling to fit in, but totally different approaches. Uh, I'm going to keep my eyes out for that one. Hopefully I get a chance to see it and we get to talk about it on the show at some point. Uh, but for now, this has been our way longer than I intended review of uh, Mommy by Xavier Dallas. If you've seen it, do please give us some feedback. I would love to know what people's viewing experiences of this have been like. Um, for my part, I would say that um, I still think that the good half of Laurence anyways is my favorite Xavier Dallas film. Uh, the meandering half, not so much. I think there's a really great movie nestled in there. I don't think there's a great movie nestled within Mommy. I think there's maybe a pretty decent short um, and a couple of interesting ideas, uh, but not much more than that, personally. I think it's it's better than that. I think it it really rides on an emotional wavelength. But again, movies that ride on an emotional wavelength, they do they don't come well under scrutiny. Um, but I do think that just because of that, it will divide people who see it. People, you'll. I don't think you're going to have like that many people who fall that much in the middle on this. I I don't know. It's very weird. I would I would say to people if it sounds interesting to you, see it. Um, and be prepared to like maybe 50% of it and then maybe really hate the other 50% of it. Like, that's the thing. It's weird. I'm not, I'm not in the middle. And I'm not like, eh, I'm like, there are no. parts of it that I thought were amazing. And then parts that I was like, really? Like, come on. Like, this is not, should not be in here. So it's very hard to kind of come up with a, yeah, anything kind of useful to say about it. I, I would say to people, see it if you're interested in it. And then, yeah. I think it's worth seeing just because there's so much mediocre cinema that even if this is really, really awful, it's better than seeing something that you'll forget. Because you, it's not forgettable because it, it is aggravating. It does get under your skin. Yeah. I would agree. Anyway, movie's called Mommy. Uh, thank you, Justine, so much for, for joining us. Uh, I was going to do a week in review segment, but this went on longer than I would have liked. So <laughs> I think we're just going to get right, right to Citizen Four. I feel so alone.